and they throw, start throwing the bombs on us and start killing people in the groups because you you don't know you can hear it. And I was hurting the bomb that was coming. You, you can hear it like that sound. And I throw my four years old son down and the like big um, hole and between the little hill and I jump on him to cover him because I know if bombs explode they will hurt us or kill us or whatever. So when I stood up my son was four years old. He you know give a sign to breathing. So Welcome to the Bliss Seekers Podcast. This podcast is intended to inspire people to discover their true purpose and follow their bliss. We're on every single major platform. Check us out in the description. We have links to all that. Make sure you like, subscribe, hit the notification bell, all that stuff. Thank you so much for tuning in and enjoy the show. So today we have a very special guest. Uh, She's a former refugee from Bosnia. Uh, she fled Bosnia because of the war in 1992 and escaped to, to Croatia. And at the time she fled Bosnia, she had a four-year-old son. Uh, she had her second child in Croatia in 1995. And in 1999, she realized she wanted a better life for her children. So she took advantage and she came to the U.S. in 1999 as a refugee. She now owns her own caregiving agency. She's an entrepreneur. Welcome to the podcast, Armina Gretsch. Thank Welcome. you. Thank yeah. you for being here. Well, uh, yeah, I'm very excited to have you here today because a good friend of mine um, talked very highly of you and and said that your story needed to be heard. So, And then you also recommended a movie um, to me, and I watched that movie for a little bit. And needless to say, it's a very powerful, very intense movie, and you actually lived with that movie, right? So uh, I always like to start the podcast with, you know, getting to know you. Um, so um, let's just go back. <laughs> Back to the beginning, right? So obviously you were born in Bosnia. Yes, I was born in Bosnia in a small town called calling Kozarac. In Kozarac. Mm-hmm. And how many people were in that small town? So a small town of 4,000 people. What was the biggest city next to, next to your small town? It so was Priador. Priador? Okay. Yeah. What was the biggest um, And what was it like growing up in a small town in Bosnia? It was like big country girl, yeah. was it, yeah. living country. Uh, it was nice. It was freedom um, before all these things happened. Yeah. Um, I was growing up on the ranch and, you know, maybe make our own vegetable. And I was oldest the child oh, wow. and have two brothers after me. And um, like I say, it was just country, country, country raised. So you're the oldest of three and you had two younger brothers. Yes. What was it like having two younger brothers? Oh boy, it was hard because in my country, the um, who's oldest the child is always lead, okay. and um, me being a girl, I was always have to work hard, mm-hmm. and my brothers was like kings. Yeah, kings, spoiled kings, right? Right. Yeah. Um, so did you did you like the responsibility? Did you kind of take it on? Um, yes, I do because my mother, my father worked in Croatia. My mother was home wife, and then she's um, my grandma never worked. So my mother was ill when she was young age. So I basically, in my age nine ten, I have to take my household 
wow. and my shoulders and my school and raising hold the family I, basically as a little child i was working and providing like a maybe 15 16 or more older wow person because it was responsibility my grandma was handicapped okay she was not able to take care of us and my like i said my mother was ill she will go to the hospital in Croatia, which my dad worked in Croatia, okay. and stay there for a couple of months. Wow. And we will be like me and two brothers and handicapped grandma and, and the ranch. Wow. And so we have animals to feed. We have grow the vegetables, corn, fields, everything. What kind so of animals did you have? We have uh, horses, uh, sheep, you know, chickens. Um, cows so at nine ten years old you were thrust into raising your two younger brothers and taking care of your grandmother and taking care of the farm correct you, you know it's cool because i think that's where your entrepreneurial spirit comes from because you've since young you were taught i need to take care of myself mm -hmm. that, that's exciting so uh what was your favorite part about maybe growing up in the country was there something you really really enjoyed it was it was actually, uh, I know I enjoyed my childhood that much. <laughs> you didn't really get that I worked one. hard, yeah, yeah. but it was, it was good to be, um, you know, like I say, the performing for everything. I have, I know I have to learn how to cook. I know I have to go to school. I have to, um, I cannot miss the school and ever, and stay home. But it was the most, because I was, caring for my grandma okay. and uh, and I know I have to care for my brothers and uh, I knew my mom was you know happy and proud of me that I can be household actually I have to say I was a child but my grandma was there to instruct me uh -huh. and I do what she said to do go mm. cook go do this go do that so that's that's another thing. It's I was not adult. I was child. So you had a mentor, basically. Exactly. On how to be an adult. Right. <laughs> and and it's, it's crazy because you were basically a caregiver since then. Mm -hmm. Exactly. Because you were, you're already, yeah. I, I was caring for very young age, yes. Yeah. So, I mean, that's, I don't know if that's why you chose the career as caregiving, but uh, if you think about it, I don't know if you realize it or not, you've been care a caregiver since you were a very at a very young age. Um, and uh, that kind of led you now that's the same role that you're taking except you're doing it as your own businesses which is pretty cool um, I, I think caregivers or any type of medical field is a great you have to truly care about people like because it's a very tough very hard work working industry and if you, in, uh, in order to go through that you have to care about people so would you say that you really like to, you really care about helping people yes yes I heard every day every day and my job and my since I started doing 22 years almost ago, yeah. I heard the, um, the I was, I'm the only one that God sends one. So the thing is that people realizing me that I don't even realize myself yeah. and, and, uh, and the his industry that I'm doing because I'm doing because I just think this is what has to be done. Yeah. But the thing is, I guess I do naturally mm -hmm. because I've been, like you say, maybe grow up like that. But in this kind of um, profession, you really have to 
be caring for it if you want to do that job. But in my case, it's like, uh, like I'm there and I need to do it. Yeah. So, is it pretty easy for you now that you've had so much experience taking care of people since you were very young? When I was very young, it was hard. Uh, like I said, beginning it was hard because I don't have a childhood. I don't have nothing. And I was ending up taking care of my grandma when I was a young child because she was handicapped already. And uh, I, it was hard. But then on the doing the years, I ended up taking care of my ex-husband family and his grandpa. And through the years, it was it was a lot of taking care of it. Okay. So you said that, that a lot of the people say you're a, a godsend? That's what wow. it says. That's awesome. You're an angel. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. What kind of work were you doing before caregiving? I was I was working and uh, back home. I was homestay mom. Mm -hmm. I have first child. I didn't work that time. Then I came in uh, Croatia and doing the work. I was picked one of the I don't know how many people in Croatia uh, to work for French embassy in okay. Croatia, and I was refugee in Croatia. So I worked for French embassy. I was like doing the job secretary slash, I don't know how to explain, doing everything what everybody needs. Administrative work. Like, like that. And when the guest comes and open the door and welcome them and offer them. Hospitality. Yeah, yeah. That's what um, was my job. And also doing some secretary work, doing the paperwork. Or that time. When I was in Croatia, we don't have an internet. We don't have mail that you send email. Yeah. You go deliver the mail to wow. that from one embassy to yeah. from French embassy to American embassy to French embassy. You have to walk yeah, to deliver those oh, things. Wow. So here they call it snail mail, but you guys actually had to walk and hand deliver. Exactly, and hand deliver the papers or whatever. And there, so whatever job that has to be taken care of. So, like I say, it was different era, 20, yeah, different 25 time. years ago. So, so now you are not really allowed to have a childhood. You're taking care of your younger brothers and your grandmother. Uh, and this is pre-war, right? So, when did, how old were you like when the war broke out? I was married young age and then have a child. And then the war broke up when I was 21. Okay slash maybe 22, 21, 22. Um, and uh, like I say, um, we was living in the town. So I was country girl. My ex-husband was city, mm -hmm. close to the city. So when I married to him, we was there, moved to this that part. Okay. I lived with him and his family. And uh, when the war broke, uh, my mother was, and my family was not touched. But up on the side of the road, which Kozaretz goes the um, the freeway, the divide the Kozaretz, and down the block freeway, it was untouched because on the top on the freeway they started burning the houses and they start um, killing the people and the army moving in and we have to escape up up on the mountains, which is calling Kozara. Okay. It's Kozaretz Kozara. Mm -hmm. And we was in the mountains um, when we was reaching, walking, running, whatever. I'll turn around, the whole part of the town was in the flame. Wow. They already 
burned, whoever's in the house was burned, whoever was escaped, they was escaped, whoever was there on the road, it got killed. So it just happened that fast. That fast. Wow. So uh so you you were fleeing to the mountains and you could see the city on fire yeah pretty much we like i said when you uh, we run you know uh watch you just yeah. turn around mm -hmm. and everything flame after flame after flame when we was up on the mountains all top on the high the whole thing was burned and women everybody the whole town escaped okay. up on the mountains um like animals run not yes. get burned yeah. so we went up there the animals follow us in the mountains we was there for a couple of nights and the army one ethnic cleanser um wanted us to be guilty and came down to the town to say they will not do anything to us and but we was not sure what that mean so after we get hungry, exhausting, sleeping under the sky on the empty what field or something, um, we was just like, let's go, either kill us or let us live, whatever. Yeah. I don't know what we're guilty for. Yeah. So we start um, going down from the mountains and because they say they will throw the bombs in the mountains if we not play guilty and come down right. so we don't have a choice and we will start rolling little bit by little and we was rolling in the group because we just like trying to give support mentally emotionally to right. each other and uh, they saw us that we coming down and they throw, start throwing the bombs on us and start killing people in the groups because you you don't you know you can hear it and i was hurting the bomb that was coming you, you can hear, hear it like sh that sound and i threw my four-year-old son down and the like big um hole and between the little hill and i jump on him to cover him because i know if bombs explode they will hurt us or kill us or whatever so when I stood up, my son was four years old. He, you know, gave a sign to breathing. Wow. So it's emotional. Yeah, I know it's tough. It's, it's tough. Yeah. So, 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 so you could literally hear the bomb hissing down and you threw your son into the hole to protect him and you covered him with your own body. Right. Wow. So when I stood up in the moment, I realized there was all the trees was cut wow. and the bomb was exploded. The top of the bomb was next to my head. Next to and head. Uh, I get up and behind me, it was a lot of people <laughs> who was already hurt or dead or you no know, have a hand or you no know, have a legs. I cannot even capture that uh, scene because I have, I know I have a, very little seconds to go back to the hill there's the house and to get the water to see what's going on yeah so when i was running i left the group the sniper was on the top on the high on the building in the city and i think the capture movement so the start 
shooting the bullets and they were shooting at you i i think so because every time i moved the bullet hit the rock or you can hear the noise so i i made it to the house and popped the water from the well and start you know splashing my son and he got the air wow so so you, you basically you, you saved his life um, but he wasn't breathing so you grabbed him and you started running back to the home because you didn't know what was going on and you could hear bullets hitting the rocks next to you yeah and then you by by some miracle you made it to there and you revived your son right wow so so that's a powerful story so and this is this is real life people like I mean, she's this. She's not making this up. This is what she lived through. So, so now you and your son are in the home. What happened next? So the whole group left. Uh-huh. Um, there's some people that left there, and I stay. I found um, some of my relatives there, so related to my ex, and so I stay there with them. And uh, um, for the next night, because it you don't know what's happening yeah so you just i just hide it and see what's going on so i was not able to go forward because the group that i was following it's already gone so they were blown up so they're we are split up so one group left on the um down and say we are guilty but the one group we stay and we just like don't know what to do so the next morning, this again, play, play us to calm down and we don't have a choice. We say, let's go, where's the other people? Let's go here to do see what they want. So we came to the town, the whole town was destroyed. As a group came to the town, they take the mans on the side and the sh- behind the building and they shoot them. Just shot them, them. And they called them by the name. Wow. What, 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 by their names? By their names. They have a little list of... Um, well, all, the, all the men's names. Yeah. How many people in your group? Do you remember? Maybe on, this, on the first group, it was maybe 500, 600 people. Uh-huh. There was a lot of people. Mm-hmm. And the second group, maybe 150, 100 people. You know, it's a... Hard to tell mm-hmm. because uh, when you start going down to that path, people start bringing from the mountains and coming out because they try to collect in the group. They feel safer. Yeah, they feel safer yeah. If, if it's like, you know, Big 20, group. 30, 50 people or 100. Mm-hmm. But if it's like 10 people, they feel, you know, like not safe. Mm-hmm. You just feel safe in the group. So you guys came down, and uh, so just just to help people understand what what the war was about, like uh, I I know I've read a couple things like ethnic cleansing. I read that it was three groups that were trying to claim power, and that didn't that didn't really work out. So then it ended up becoming a war. Do you know the real reason of what why the war happened in in in, in Bosnia? I think it's a, a religious. Religious. I think it's a. It was religious war because the leaders cannot get on the same path. Um, um, literally, I was not 
into the politics that time right. and yeah. knowing really what's happening because we have a like like I said we have a president who was really peace and everything when I was a child. Right. And then these three came and I thought that was normal. All we just maybe month before all this happened they say, Oh it's nothing happening. Everything's fine. We saw a lot of stuff changing. The army comes, the the machines comes, the bombs comes, that wow. but we they say, Oh will nothing happen. So for that whatever was the um ma- management between those leaders. three leaders, that's what's what's happened. I just only know they wanna clean up that like you say, ethnic cleanser to clean uh, to kill whatever the can't one religion. Most of this uh, um, war was affection of Muslim people. Yeah. But also there's a lot of mixed um, marriages there. Oh. So it's a lot of like Catholic and Christian mixed. How are you going to split up the kids? Right. Then it's also some Muslim and Christian or Muslim and Catholic. There's the... Um, also uh, marriages which is mix and religion so we, that that we was hit the heart because we don't know why this happening because we are mixed we cannot be yeah. split up we cannot split up the ch- children we uh and also i have to back a little bit when i was growing up i was friend and social with everybody i don't care which religion was i don't care uh, what you believe, if you're a good person and you're a human being, we was always celebrating together and being together. So. I, I agree with that. That's what I believe. You know, you know, this is not a religious podcast, but <laughs> you can hear a lot of my views on religion in previous podcasts. But I believe in, in the name of religion, more people have died in the history of this this world than anything else. You know, and I did a little bit of research, and they said uh, there was forty four percent Muslim Bosnians. Uh, 32% Orthodox Serbs and 17% uh, Catholic Croats. So that was kind of like the mix in Bosnia at the time. But but you're saying, and the movie kind of showed it was they were going after the Muslims mainly to kind of clean up the the Bosnian Muslims. Is the, that true? The movie of Angelina Jolie that I was mentioning is mostly end up in Srebrenica, okay. which is the uh, the clean up all the, you know, that's all Muslim people. In our town, it's also Muslim people, but it's uh, started before the Srebrenica started. So they clean, we are, um, they start in Croatia mm-hmm. and uh, went after the Croatia Catholics. And uh, this is Orthodox. Wow. This is uh, um, the Christian. Orthodox Christians, yeah. basically, yeah. And they started mm-hmm. in Croatia and uh, came after Catholics. So Croatia was much more stronger to, to stop them and they killed at one part. So my town is closer to Croatia and the start beginning and my those towns and end up and particularly, I don't know the reason, why the Cossacks, which was my city, end up pulling the the wars, 
what was the leader, the map. It could be the create the maps okay. before what's going to be done. I don't can say that, but um, the like for example the Prieder, it's a bigger city. The the touch after the Cozards okay. all was destroyed. So your city was targeted specifically. I don't can say that, but we have more people that was dead and uh, for example if you go from one street up to the uh, city they killed uh, almost every man wow. and uh, and from age 14 15 to age 65. so, so they were targeting the man most mostly men yeah so so the men anybody who was 14 above 14 was killed basically N uh Mostly killed, but taking to the men's pre uh, convention camps or prisons mm -hmm. and tortured wow. and captured and there and killed. And that's basically a separate husband, father, brother. So many families were completely destroyed. fractured, destroyed, separated. And, and you mentioned something. How many years of peace was there before the war actually started? You said you had... A president who passed away, but he was all about peace. I think it was 1982 that the president Tito. So maybe about a decade of peace. Decade. Yeah. And then so now um, you're coming down with an, an, another. You came down after that that night you spent and you went back up there. You did. You, you came back down the, the next day. Yes, we came on the on the little town and they captured us. And um, like I said, the separate, the calling the names right. and take it. We was there when they killed them. So we you, heard you actually it. heard the gunshots? And of course. Wow. And then we were sitting um, there, like how I say, they want to protect us, like not to escape or not to leave. They want to capture us. And the, so the was on the one of the area where the army was around and we were surrounded. You were surrounded, yeah, yes. They around you guys up, basically. Yeah. So it's crazy because if you watch the movie, there's a scene in the movie where they show all the women and then you could hear the gunshots. and Basically, all the men were being completely massacred. So you actually lived the scene in the movie. Right. Wow. So Can you when, remind us of that old movie? Uh, I don't want to mess it up, but I believe it's the land of golden honey but we'll, we'll, we'll get the, the exact title and we'll leave it in the, in the, in the description uh, but I believe it's called The Land of Golden Honey and it was uh, directed by Angelina Jolie um, so you actually lived the scene and you watched the movie yeah. correct? I started watching the movie but you probably, I, was, yeah, yeah. I was not Still able watch. but I heard uh, people that were watching that was really really uh, emotional Yeah. Um, I live to my country. Like I say, that movie was created in Srebrenica, which she was, uh, I'll hear the story of somebody in Srebrenica or she created a movie and she was there. And um, But she, not, we was different part of the Bosnia. But whatever happened in Srebrenica, it, the worst happened in Srebrenica, but happens to us. Yeah. But the, in the, like I say, before we was first in Srebrenica. Yeah. 
I don't think there's any, it, it's, it's still horrible uh, in both areas. Exactly. Yeah. So when you, when you were captured, what happened next? Then they start dividing, like I said, man. Uh, so, and they make us walk. And we was, actually, I was walking. There's dead, dead bodies left and right. Everywhere. Um, so, and we was exhausted. So then they decide to put us in the bus and transporting us to the one of the schools, which was elementary school or middle school, I can call, as um, the building. And they put us there. And um, mothers, children, elderly, old people, handicapped. We was all like on the top on each other there. Just so piled just piled it, and just they have an army watching us like like a prisoners. We cannot move. We cannot go nowhere. Whatever we have there. So we was there, and no food, nothing. The Basically, people survive whatever they can get. So uh, I was telling my part of the country where I go, grow up country, there was people still at home. So they, those people will bring some food and sneak in to survive with the kids. Wow. And then the divided, the next to our place was also man's little prison they okay. captured them and kept them there so every night was survival yeah so so you basically had people that were still in the towns coming in and sneaking in or risking their lives to bring you guys food to be able to survive of course and they segregated the women and children from the men in two different different places right so how long did you spend in that that camp i spent there uh a week and there, and there's the Legasco and the houses, which is empty around convention camp, to like take a shower or get some clothes. And I pull, hold my family and everybody in the house. And we was like 30 people and one house sleeping wow. there. And it was better to sleep in that house. It was also part of the, you cannot go nowhere. It's part like a, being in prison. Yeah. But actually, you're not sleeping on the top of each other and sleeping on the cement or tiles. Yeah. You're sleeping in the uh, carpet yeah. or, or, or maybe bed if you have. Yeah. So we was there um, for another week or so. And then we was back in convention camp. We was back to the behind the wires again. So they let you off for a week? Yeah, we, the leg is off because just it gets crowded. Oh. And uh, they don't have a space. So they offer us, they know how I can explain. It's not the leg is out. We just ask, can we go to that house instead of being here and uh, just Whole, you know, we are there. We're not going to escape, but just like us to split up because it was so much that you can't. Pandemic starts. We don't have a bathrooms. Yeah. We don't yeah. have yeah. um, uh, 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 blankets. We don't have a 
uh, clothes. We don't have nothing. The conditions were basically becoming It gets worse, exactly. Yeah. So that was good. At least they let you out for a little while. Or at least let you go to a much uh, better, better living area. And then, so then they brought you back in. Then the, uh, brought me back in because the man's uh, start, I guess, they was thinking somebody informed uh, somebody will come and break and we will escape or something. They want to control us. Okay. That's the thing. They just wanted to prevent escape people from yeah. escaping. Yeah. And then we was back, and that's where the register is. That's where I have register paper that I was there. And then uh, my father-in-law came from the man's convention camp for prison. And it's calling character and creator. And we went, he decided uh, we should move to the bigger city. Because now we registered and say we cannot hold you anymore. We you can go. So we went to that that Prieto city. We was there tortured more, and wow. the Prieto, which was we was from Cozarets, so they don't like us there. So we have to basically again come back, and <sighs> I don't know how to explain, but it was three months of torturing yeah and uh, then we heard there will be transportation buses from convention camp whoever left was in convention camp they have to let us go and they want to take us to the muslim uh, territory which is uh and tromnik and then it's on the middle of the bosnia so we signed for that to just go just uh, because they they say now it's up to you. So you either you stay to be tortured or you go. Okay. So we just decide to go and uh, my father-in-law and, and my mother-in-law and me and my four years old son, we decide to get to the, um, to the bus and leave. Wow. And we went to the, um, they drop us off up on the mountains and uh, we walk all night wow. from the mountains in the middle of the Bosnia down to the Tromnik. We get there, there was no space, there were so many refugees, no space. So we went to Zenza. I we there, stayed there in a big uh, school playground, and which was 500 people at least. Wow. And uh, it starts like, all refugee from all over the Bosnia and the world explode everywhere. So we was there, I was there and um, then I just somehow escaped to the, um, to the Croatia and that's where I start different life. Um, did you have any friends during that time in the camp and what kind of support were you guys giving each other? Basically, we all have each other because the whole town, that small town, we know all each other. Okay. That's my friends from school. Mm -hmm. That's my neighbors. Mm -hmm. That's my cousins. That's my relatives. So we all have support. But what's happened? Um, the scatterers. You know, sometimes you found somebody, but then you lost. But then you found somebody else, then you lost. Because everybody was fearing for life, for for better life, or for safety. 
that's um it it was like emotionally supported yeah. not really mentally because we don't know what's going to happen but it was um everybody that we know we go through the same thing so so basically all all the people you grew up with all the people there were everybody was there everybody was there. everybody was going through there how many people were missing uh, from your town when you guys all got together did you know that was it a noticeable amount of people missing or was there was there most of your town was was still there that time we don't know how many people was missing but uh, now thousand and thousand people it's dead I can't uh, understand how much exactly amount because I just not in my point of view, I see we have a big stones in our town, uh -huh. which we created, and the names of the people killed. Okay. And when you read them, you can spend hours yeah, reading who was killed. So the exactly amount, uh, I have to check. Yeah. Because I, like I say, I never was interesting to say how many people but i know it's a lot of people that i know that go to school with me that my neighbors the 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 cousins to our relatives that's crazy so so how did you end up uh, escaping to Bos uh, to croatia um there was the bosses the transferring people from bosnia to croatia and you have to have a specific papers and i got that paper and uh, somehow we'll leave and, it at that yeah <laughs> and then that thing it's uh i was just uh, was able to go and escape so was it just you and your son or was it you and your son and your in-laws that were able to escape me and my son that time and my ex-husband who was um, he was the one live in Slovenia and then he came and um, got the paper and pick us up and oh wow take us out so he was able to get the papers to get you guys out of the country yeah well I'm so glad that you were able to get out I mean this mm -hmm. crazy story um, and um, thank you for sharing that because I know it's not easy to relive it mm -hmm. uh, just like you said I mean I didn't I didn't live through that and I watched the movie and I almost didn't want to continue watching the movie that's how powerful the movie was mm -hmm. uh, but let, let, so now you're you're in Croatia right you and your family are reunited um, which is probably one of the very fortunate ones um, and now you're in Croatia what happens next when you guys get to Croatia I was refugee in Croatia and um I end up sleeping on the train station. Oh wow. Because I don't have family, I don't have no place to go. I slept on the train station to somehow uh, we figure out me and my ex what to do next. So how how long did you guys stay in the train station for? Uh people help. Now um maybe I say five days, okay. three, five days. It probably and, seemed like an eternity though, right? Yeah, and because they don't want you there, there was also co camps around to you can stay in Croatia. It was a refugee from Bosnia. Uh -huh. And uh, some my husband that time, he knows people, so he get connected. And okay. we get, was able to get a 
place and uh, stay there. And um, we was there for like maybe six months and moved to the apartment. And that's where we start. Um, the help, we was getting some help. Uh, like I say, I still don't know how because my ex-husband was the one. Yeah. He got uh, somehow figure out. So then, um, then like I say, I was refugee. They give us little food. They give us little clothes. You for you know donation. You go stand in the line. Yeah. And you get some to survive. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And then there was some organization give us give you like money if you need help a little bit. There was uh, ref. How I say. Um, donation organization, yeah. which they hurt so many refugees in Croatia and needs help. So they they came and give us some for help if you need for rent because we was when we when you know live in convention camp they distribute you around the, but you have to pay some. Yeah, you cannot live for free. Right. Mm-hmm. So either you go to found the work and work, which I did. So. Were you able to like meet up and reunite with some of the people that you knew from Bosnia when you went to Croatia? Uh, a different part, mm. but not so many from my town. Very, very few that stay on one part of Croatia, mm. but I was living on the other part. So not so much communication because like I say, no transportation if you take transportation, you have to pay for it. But if you don't have money, you're not going to walk. Right. So you just basically where you are, you stay where you are. So so Croatia was a lot bigger than, than where you were in Bosnia. Or, or was it the same? I was in the main city in Zagreb, which okay. is a big, big city, city. Big city. Big city. So you went from the, the country town to the city in, in Bosnia, and then now you're in the biggest city in Croatia. Right. So did Croatia, did they, did they already... St- stop fighting so the the war stopped in croatia by that time because they were strong enough to 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 hold them off or i think it was ending almost it was on the part of croatia uh, calling Vukovar, um, which it was going on before the my town start yeah and i think it was uh, almost maintain the uh, uh, croatian people by able accomplished and uh, and uh, the stop yes or uh, let's go say slow down yes it was not like on the flame and stuff um because it moved the army move to the middle of the bosnia okay like sarajevo srebrenica yeah. that's what you're talking about movie so so basically it started in croatia but they were able to hold them off or maintain it and then it went into bosnia but then that's when you guys came into croatia after they were able to maintain it right so now you guys are there you found a place to stay you got a job what happens next after that next thing what happened you pick up your life your pieces of your life what kind of life you have uh i have to tell you that in croatia also your refugee okay so it's very hard to pick the uh nobody hiring uh you don't have documents you just register there and you don't know the wars in your country and you register so the war stop wherever uh, uh, 
and to happen, you have to go back. That's the, the rules. That's yes. why uh, Croatia helped Bosnia to take a refugee mm. just for helping uh, them to be there and to save them. Yes. Uh, so regarding my life, what I did, I read the newspaper and uh, say uh, American Embassy was hiring oh. and uh, I went on interview which was, I was refugee Bosnian, and the old, it was Croatian girls, so <laughs> I say I don't have a chance, mm. right. and um, language barrier and stuff, but we all who was an interview and doesn't speak any French or English or anything. So that end up choosing me to wow. work there because I think they feel sorry I was refugee, and I told them my life, I have uh, one child, and... I was pregnant with the second, and uh, and then to say, um, when they called me that I was hired, uh, I was just on the on the top on the world. That's awesome. Because I was the only one Bosnian working there. That's awesome. So now you're working in the American. You said the American embassy. No, French. The French embassy. Okay, so so I'm sorry about that. So you're working in the French embassy. Uh, you got hired, the only Bosnian girl in there, and it. It's crazy to think like you're right. Like you were a refugee. Like nobody, there's no history of you, there's no record. It's a new country, new language, like new everything basically. Right. And you're now coming from probably one of the worst experiences that that anybody can go through. But now there's there's a light, there's a ray of hope. Like right. now the wheels, the clouds are starting to go away, and now the sun's coming in. And so, how how long did you work at the French embassy for? I was from, like I say, I was fine out. I was pregnant with my aunt, and I had my second child, wow. and I took... How old were you then? I was 24. So 24, right? Okay. Just got pregnant with your second child. Just got a great opportunity. And, and, and so how long did you work there? I worked there to the day I flew in America. <laughs> so a couple years. And how did that process happen? How did, I, you, how did you get the opportunity to come to the United I States? Got, um, I was having my second child, and then I stay home mom for the payment on uh, mature leave. And I go back and work uh, to Friday and flew on Monday to the United States. You just got a ticket so, and flew. And just because the how end up... When that comes to the when I have a second child, I work for uh, with the French people, and there was the one that inspired me about different life, and I was like looking back when the, my refugee ends, I have to go back home. Okay, I have to go. I don't have a home. Yeah, I don't have a Bosnia doesn't know where to pick the pieces. Yeah, so I say uh, I save that paper. I told you that I was registered yeah. in convention mm -hmm. camp. So I say um, to somebody in American embassy, I still have this paper, and if uh, America still accepts a refugee, and he was like, oh, yeah, the interview. And, uh, you know, you find out, you go, you ask. Then I find out there was um, officers ref um, from America coming and interviewing refugee still open the door to whoever welcome but you have to really have the story mm -hmm. you have to really tell the truth mm -hmm. if you've been in the war or you've been 
and the convention camp or what exactly because they know everything yes. they know exactly the every part of the town every part of the city what's exactly happened and when oh wow so i have to memorize my 1992 you had to relive experience. it all over again yeah mm-hmm. and show them the paper and they give me application i apply the guest they say you will come to interview so i was with the officer american officer interview for let's go say for an hour and they go everything so i have like i say wrote the notes and revive my whole thing and uh on the end of my interview she said congratulations you made it you uh, welcome to united states that and uh, awesome. that was it so it was a lot of families that time that was there not make it so only that time six family made it wow the pass that is amazing like i say if they capture you then you're not welcome wow mm-hmm. i want to i want to go back real quick when you felt like you were on top of the world um during that time did you have like any goals that you wrote down what you're going to do next or you were just like basically hoping like for an opportunity next opportunity to jump into not really um that i have any gold in my mind was just i just want to even it was too far united states when i told my mom Mm -hmm. i remember i i told her that i'm applying and she broke and cried and she said did you know this is the other side of the world and i say i know but there's no other option for me to stay here Mm -hmm. as the okay but i want a future for my two children and i want a better future for them even it's across the ocean but that time it was the term for me i just want to go you just want to leave croatia i just want to leave and i just want to because i know i don't have other choice either leave croatia Mm -hmm. and go to united states or um or go back and to bosnia feel the mercy whatever Mm -hmm. happened and so uh, that was that around the time. So the war was pretty much already over in Bosnia at this time. Oh yeah, yeah. People was um, going back to the um, their lands. The just uh, pretty much land, right? Start picking up from the pieces. Yeah. There's no house. There's nothing there. Start rebuilding the life. Um, so yeah. Wow. So, so you had the two choices, either go back to who knows what's left in Bosnia Correct. or, or apply for the opportunity to come to the United States. And you were chosen out of probably hundreds or thousands of families. They only chose six. Yes. Wow. So can you describe that feeling when the lady told you, congratulations, you made it. Welcome to the United States. And to today, I don't know how that happened because it was just like, and I was, uh, like I say, emotionally on the top, on everything, on top on the world, United yeah. States. I'm going to United States. But um, my husband, that time, he was not happy. Oh, okay. He don't want to, because he's leaving his family and he want to stay. And I was like, I'm leaving my family, but we're going for the kids. He was 50-50. And he was going to that interview, but he was not 100% sure that I will be passed. Yeah. Because he said, let her go, but maybe she not make it. Yeah. So he and wasn't sure. So that time, 
we have a lot of process to do. It's not like you just get welcome. You get uh, welcome, but you have to sign the paper, the pay for airfare, the pay, you own the money already, the, um, they do the social security working visa. I was already having documents in here waiting for me before I even land in here. Wow. Mm-hmm. So everything was already so set up. So everything was set up. And you didn't even have your documents from back home or anything yet, but you had everything Every, set up yeah, here. Yeah, I was having just my ID doing uh, that I was happened to carry with me during the war and nothing else. So it seems like the universe or God, I mean, whatever your belief is, uh, there's a play, it was a plan for you. Like you, you, you were meant to come to the United States. And uh, so, so what, what part of the U.S. did you guys come to first when you came from as a refugee? from when you escaped <laughs> and came here back in the moment when i pass i have to do the um, process of the physical and mental test if you pass that then you can you know come yeah. so back in there uh to do that it took us six months to come here when i came here I was working. I don't have a time. I went to a friend, uh, American embassy, asked one time where I'm going. And they say, we don't have a destination. And I say, <laughs> but my flight, I got the tickets and I'm flying on Monday. Today is like Thursday. And they say, we will call you tomorrow. Friday, they called me and say, you're going to San Francisco. I say, where's San Francisco? <laughs> oh, <wow. laughs> and they say, oh, you're going to California. And I say, okay. I heard about you know, this San Francisco, the bridges and everything. But the thing is, I was disorientated on yeah. the whole thing. Where is, uh, which part of the United States? Yeah. That. So the destination say it's San Francisco, California. And you fly, uh, I was already preparing and flying here. When I came, somebody was waiting for us because we was refugee. And uh, we came middle of the night, uh, and the woman was waiting there. I remember it was raining, and I'm like, I'm flying around the ocean. I, we cannot land it. And I'm thinking in my mind, this is the end of the world. <laughs> <laughs> I'm dying here. <laughs> so, so we landed, and uh, she brought us to the hotel to we have to, in the morning, go sign the papers like I say, for the social security visa, everything, mm-hmm. because we have a bag, we just say refugee, and we passed the whole uh, countries, uh, Germany, the yeah. entering United States with that bag. Wow. So mm-hmm. carry alone with us. Wow. And it was four pieces of paper with our pictures, that's all. That's it. And it was your whole family, it was your husband, you and both. And what, My two kids, what, well, your, so your, your, two sons. Your, your other one was already born too. Oh yeah, he was th- uh, almost four years old. Okay, wow. Uh, and then, <laughs> you know, it's kind of cool because you came to San Francisco, you came to California, and w- that was in the, it was 99 you said? February of 1999. So it was, it was probably when the United States was at its most prosperous moment in the last 30 years you know because it was the nearing the end of the clinton administration we had a surplus of money there was unity there was peace like you actually came to the u.s at like probably the best time in my lifetime at least um 
of this country. So now you guys get here, um, and um, you know, what, what's the next steps? Like, how easy was it to get the life started here? Was it easy? Was it hard? No, no, no. First of all, you know, speak English, wow. it's like a language. And you dropped from the, like I say, from sky to the <laughs> ground. And uh, um, the destination was San Francisco. We left in hotel. And I know first morning I get up and I went outside. And I looked at Market Street in San Francisco. And I looked those buildings and us. And I have like, oh, I'm not staying here. And uh, I don't know where I'm going, but I'm not staying. This is not for me. I'm lost in this big city. Oh, yeah, because you're a and, country girl. Uh, and also from small city. Even the Zagreb was a bigger city, but it's not huge like San Francisco. Yeah, San Francisco is one of the craziest millions, cities. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. And uh, on the two, they came, picked us up, and went to that refugee international organization and uh, to sign the papers and everything and I first thing I say I'm not staying here we have a translator from Bosnian to English and the woman that was operating she knows how to speak English she uh, speak Bosnian because she was uh, for the years maintaining the refugees from Bosnia because mm -hmm. we start they start coming uh, 1993 I think first yeah. Bosnian enter here and uh, all the way to 1999. I think we was the last maybe that came refugee, if wow. it's anybody after. Wow. Does um does your son ever, um, you don't have to answer this, but does your son ever bring it up to you, like the experiences and what you guys went through? Not really. I don't think he, on the little one, he was seven, he captured a little bit, mm -hmm. but the, by age, you know, his life-changing school in Croatia and yeah. everything. I don't think he remembers so much. Mm -hmm. If we talked about, he say, Mom, I remember some. Um, but not really uh, moments. Um, yeah. uh, like that he can tell story because four years old, yeah. it's more like playing and words happening. I remember one time the bullet was shooting and the... The shells was we was walking around the shells and he was playing with the shells, picking wow. the shells and how think would it's he a know? Toy. He doesn't He's know. thinking yeah. it's a toy. Mm -hmm. He doesn't know. So, I think on the back on his mind he knows something happened, but then I don't think he remembers. Yeah, it's probably for his own good. So that's that. for sure. Mm -hmm. Has he seen the movie? I don't think so. I cannot say for hundred percent because he's thirty-two years old now yeah. and have his two kids. But maybe I I I know heard that he say it. I keep saying it's movie there, but uh, I I don't think we wanna re. You don't want to visit. Memory. You don't want to relive it. We yeah. just wanna go in the future. You don't wanna go in the. Past. and that's an amazing way to think about it because what what good is going and reliving that like i mean the past is there to teach you a lesson and or maybe to learn from it or or but that's about it you know so you so you you live in the now and the future you don't want to go back to the past which is amazing right, right. So, so um you're an entrepreneur you're obviously you, you own a caregiving agency um so talk a little bit about like your first couple jobs and where you ended up settling and how'd you end up there and then lead us into how you became an entrepreneur. 
So um, when we came, and like I say, in San Francisco, we went to our organization, signed the paper, and the first thing I was asking, where is the smaller city that you can <laughs> take me? <laughs> You're like, where's the smallest <laughs> and city? And that was big, huge, tall building. And the se- the uh, manager there say, look, that's Oakland over the bridge. Oh, and wow. I say, whatever, it is smaller. He say, it's a little smaller, but it's. Uh, I think you will be okay. I say, okay, sign me for <laughs> Oakland. <laughs> so I have to sign the papers that I want to move to the Oakland because it, uh, it was specific. If you're coming to San Francisco, they already arrange everything about San okay. Francisco. But then the Oakland was different county, different yeah. city, and I have to move. So uh, they came, pick us up, and bring us. Oh no, we stay in hotel for a couple of more days to found this apartment to switch whole thing. Yeah, and found us. On the apartment in East Oakland, <laughs> and <laughs> the worst part of Oakland too. <laughs> You're like, oh, can I go back to San Francisco? Uh, no, I was not saying that. But uh, I was coming in East. O- they say you're going to East Oakland. I thought, oh, fine, great. Yeah. Uh, when I came to the part, the first day, enter us in the building, uh, rent us one uh, bedroom apartment, uh, helping us and. When we was back in Croatia, we watched the movie. We was welcoming. They tell us whole the story how our life will be picked up mm-hmm. in America. Yeah. So we have a food. We everything's waiting. Furnished apartment. Everything. So when I moved to Auckland, one bedroom apartment, I opened the door. It was completely empty. I don't even have a uh, any sofa any mattress wow any clothes any food any dishes nothing empty apartment Just an empty apartment and i'm two bags in my hands changing the clothes for my two kids and myself and my husband and i was like how are we going to do it so we end up sleeping on the carpet for a days Till we get used furniture that people donated, the organization go and pick up yeah. and bring it to us and use dishes. Wow. So, and give us some money uh, to go buy the food. So, that money was $400 a month wow. for four of us. Wow. So, and that's how you picked. And they wanted us to go to school to learn the language. And they wanted us to go to work because the soonest we found the work, the we will be faster paying back yeah. the money that we own. Oh. Because we already have a loan, mm. which international refugee uh, borrow us for deposit of the apartment, paying, they're supporting us six mm. months to found the job. They give us money for the food mm. and whatever. So that's like a I loan. say, limit was four hundred dollars. Mm. So the ticket, uh, airplane ticket, that was loan. So it's all loan. You had to, you guys had to pay back. We have five years to pay back. Oh my gosh! Was there? How int- long did it take you? A, I spread up five years. Five years. Is there interest on the loan? Uh I don't can capture that okay. that time. Mm-hmm. I know it was amount, and uh, there was amount that you can make fifty dollars a month. Okay, but you have to. You have to make it doesn't matter what when you start working. Only when you start working. Mm. Yeah. Uh, to then they will follow you and help you. 
Wow. So what happens if you don't pay off that loan within five years? I think you have to. You sign the paper, mm-hmm. and I was not taking that opportunity. What will happen yeah, to me? Yeah, because yeah. I promised. When mm-hmm. I promised something, I, I tried to accomplish, and I paid off. So, um, because the basically the charge, whatever they they was doing for us to, they I think it was. But um, donation money mm-hmm. that people donated and that this organization reuse it for okay. the people to help. Mm-hmm. And then those people, when they step on their feet, they pay them back and they can pull another family give it to another or family. another yeah. whatever around the world. So it's like same. a big pool of money, basically. Yes. It helps refugees. Yes. Thank helps. you for that organization. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. And so <laughs> what, was, what was your first impressions of East Oakland? It was different world for me yeah but i the beginning is to start it how you going to start it the kids need to go to school we have to register it they signed me for uh, two weeks i went to english school for two weeks wow and they found me the job and they offered me the job so I don't have a, uh, so much time to look around what's around oh, yeah, me. Yeah. I was busy to pick my steps mm-hmm. and uh, found the job and started paying off, first of all, my responsibility. Second of all, to live on the better, not on $400. Yeah. When I go to store and my kids say, I want a chocolate and I, I buy one chocolate for two of them. I cannot buy each because I, we need the food on the table. Yeah. And... Uh, um, I remember those days my kids go through, you know, we are from different world. My kids came in America's store and see all these yeah. chocolates, all this stuff mm-hmm. and toys and the picking and throwing in the uh, yeah. shopping cart. Do I get to the register? I pull it back yeah. and put it back on. The- <laughs> There's no limits for yeah. kids, right? Of they course. want everything. Yeah, yeah when I was, uh, I was, uh, I mentioned this in a podcast before. Uh-huh. So as a kid in the Philippines, um, one of the things I was excited about going to America was chocolates. Yeah. Eating all the chocolates yeah. in the world. Yeah. Well, so When I asked her well, what you thought the U.S. was going to be like, she said cold and full of chocolate. Yeah. <laughs> like snow, like a lot of snow. But yeah. I went to California, so there's no so, snow here. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> that's, but that's my kids was mm, chocolate. Yeah. Because, uh, you know, like I said, the war was, even in Croatia, we was not that, even I work, but not really wealthy. So you can you can buy something, but not everything. Yeah. Right. In a way, that's kind of a good thing, though. So they're not like eating chocolate every single day, right? But not only that, in toys or yeah. or shoes uh, or something that you know they want, you yeah. cannot afford it. So right. there's a lot of sacrifice in there. It's very humbling, I would say. Yeah. So what was your first job? So they offered me the job in the nursing home uh, to serve the uh, tables where the people eat, the older people in okay. the dining room, uh-huh. like a, what's calling that, waitress or... Like, like serving, yeah, like a waitress or like... Like a waitress in the restaurant, service, but it's basically. like a not restaurant, it's a restaurant for older people yeah. that mm-hmm. live there. Yeah. So I start serving. Uh, I went to interview, and this is my story. I two weeks in the English school. What you can know an interview when they ask you. Yeah. So somebody went with me, and I just repeat yes, 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 yes. 
I was came home on my phone rings. I was hired. Wow. So nice. I was like, how I'm going to do? This is kitchen, American food. I don't have a clue about American vegetables, the names, not even talking about food. Uh, and I've been in the food industry serving the food. But I say, okay, I can do it. I just grab the plate yeah, and ask uh, the person, you know, there's all the 80, 90 years old uh, uh, live there. I say, I can ask them, are you one of number one or number two? There you it's go, not right? no yeah. Simple <laughs> question. Yeah. Yeah. Simple. And yeah. uh, I, st I start that work. And uh, in three months, I learned... Uh, uh, English, but the first month I start working, my supervisor, she realized whenever she say, I say, yes, yes, yes. I don't even have a clue what she <laughs> said. <laughs> You're just like, yes to everything, right? So, and she was like, she grabbed me for the hand. She said, Armina, are you speaking English? I said, little. And she said, how much is little? <laughs> <laughs> and I just like look at her and I said, I don't know, honestly, I don't speak so much. <laughs> and she was like, uh, taking me to the office and I'm like, I'm getting fired or left. Yeah. And she was like telling the boss, she don't even speak English. We hire somebody who don't <laughs> even know how to communicate. And he was like, like, give her time. We have a wow. lot of people who who start with little, but they're picking up mm -hmm. and stuff. So he was a good boss. Yeah. yeah. So, and uh, he was also from the different country. Ah, he was in the yeah. Yeah. Ah, yeah. yeah. So he, so, he had a soft spot. So he heart. has yeah. a soft spot and feeling me that, you know, I just came here two and a half months ago. Yeah. And uh, I start working. So I went to the, um, the I, I served for three months and I pick English. I pick what they are doing. So in three months, qualify me to cook number two. Wow, you got so your first promotion I, I went in three a promotion, and I was cook number two for a, a couple of months. And then the major cook that run the kitchen, not show up, and supervisor just pulled me. Armina, you can do it. I said I was not even trained. I don't yeah. know what what <laughs> to do. He, she said you can do it. So I was end up running the kitchen and main cook in that nursing home, which is. Uh, a lot of people we have uh, lived there, and you have a skilled nursing. You have a yeah. all kind of stuff, and I learned. Uh, she showed me, and I pick it up, and I'm thinking, this is not me. This is not me. I'm not going to stay here, work for minimum wage, and uh, I can do better. Mm. Now I know English. Now I know where I am. Even I live in East Oakland in one bedroom apartment. But I know where I am now. So I start uh, introducing myself to the peoples. And uh, one of the lady that was working in the nursing home in the office, which I was in the kitchen, she ended up, her grandparents ended up being from Croatia. So we start talking oh. and she was like, I have an older lady neighbors who need help. And she need little help. Like, did you like to help her on your days off? So for a couple of months on my days off, I will go to the Oakland Hills and help that lady yeah. in her own house. The wealthy lady, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah, and uh, and then uh, that lady recognized my skills and she was like, you know, I need you to maybe work that kind of industry because you're very good. Mm -hmm. yeah. And she opened me the 
some kind of eyes. So I quit my job, gave the notice to yeah. the kitchen, yeah. and uh, start working for that lady, and then have another client and have another client and open my uh, own self-employee business, mm -hmm. and um, that's 21 years ago. Wow, that that's is amazing. so awesome. And you know, I want to go back to when you were thrown into the kitchen. You were prepared for this since you were nine years old. Yeah, but not American food, <laughs> not American uh, cooking. <laughs> I It's uh, probably easier. <laughs> it's different. Yeah, it's very we different. We do a lot of baking. We do a lot of bread. We do uh, mm. a lot of, it's more close to Italian food, uh -huh. pasta, potato, and stuff. And here in uh, American, it's totally different spices and um, yeah doing it's the same food it's a chicken it's chicken yeah. it's <laughs> potato potato <laughs> but it's a different it's a different way to prepare right, right? yeah exactly w did you start to kind of like american food after that or was it just a short-term thing oh i i uh, i eat and i you know food is food i start like it uh i don't like to be cook oh you don't like and, to cook. Yeah. and no no and start be like hitting you like my life it changed. I was in uh, Bosnia and then from Bosnia to Croatia and I was working with the people. I was more like social and uh, a lot. And uh, in Zagreb, the Zagreb has a big um, uh, event going calling Zagrebački Velosajem, which all the people on the world from America, from France, from Italy, from all come together and represent the, uh, what they do. So I was mostly every year and there with the other people. And so for me was like, I need come to that industry where I can be around the people or help people or do some kind of thing and not be, like I say, mostly like not only about cooking, it was like, I'm not working my life for, I start, it was 6.25 yeah. an hour, and end up, even I was cook, main cook, I make 11, uh, 10.50 an hour, yeah, not even nothing. $11, yeah. dollars, nothing. Yeah. My apartment that time was $600. <laughs> okay. A month. A month, yeah. and plus the food and everything. So, uh, my ex-husband, uh, my husband at that time, he was not able to uh, pick up the English and pick up stuff. So he was working for also minimum wage in the, some companies. Mm -hmm. And then he cannot get a loan. Then he quit and end up I'm working by myself. Oh, my so gosh. It was mm -hmm. very hard. But when I start this business, I was uh, spread to the people the uh, the well known from one of the parish and I was having left and right in the houses and uh, I start doing the caregiving and then uh, from there they went to the nursing homes so when I end up in nursing home the people the directors and uh, executive and health department uh, nurses and stuff they notice it and say we have a cases we have elderly that need extra help and stuff so i start being growing bigger and bigger and end up doing for my own independent contractor caregivering and uh, having my own clients and uh, so that's where i 
um, where I start. So I have a question because a lot of immigrants will come here and they'll be happy with the minimum and they'll be happy with what they get. Maybe most of them are not happy, right? But it seems to me that you always wanted more. Like you could recognize that this is not who you were. You were meant for something bigger. Do you know where that comes from? I think from my early age, okay. being a little child and caring for everything and doing everything and be responsible for everything. And uh, in my age 14, I was, um, it was, uh, happened big uh, earthquake, okay. earthquake in my country, which um, a lot of houses has the damages. And I, I was a little girl. I cannot speak for the adults, mm -hmm. but I encouraged my grandma, who was not having any school, anything. She doesn't know how to read. She never go to school because she was born and her mother died on her birth. Oh, wow. And she never, nobody sent her to school. So her house was very damaged. So I was age 13, 14 girl. I went to the um, big bank and uh, get inspection and inspect my grandma's house and she gets money to repair <laughs> and she was just only has to go with me to press her finger to just say I am this yeah. but I was basically starting whole process and age that young. So you already learned about getting money, about how banks, like business basically. Business basically. Wow, that's and exciting. And starting, um, you know, just being like, you can do this, you can yeah. do this, you can do this. It doesn't matter, nothing will stop you, mm -hmm. you can do this. So yeah. I think it comes on my early age and, and that's where I am. And also speaking about uh, being refugee, when I was in the middle of the Bosnia, the other people sit there and waiting for the food to be served. I went to the kitchen where was uh, uh, what's calling the main kitchen for uh, the, the, the delivering the food and they have to distribute like people who live yeah. in that convention camp yeah. and there. I asked the operator and I said, can I do something? And, and he said, but we no pay. I say, but just okay, if I can work of ex for extra portion for my son mm. to eat, have food, because we get one portion yeah. and that's for whole day. And we are hungry, especially the little kids. Yeah. And uh, there was also my um, husband's side of the family who has a kid. And I say, if I can come and share to these little kids and feed them extra portion, I will work all day. Yeah. It's amazing. So I went and asked him and he was like, okay, I will hire you. Looks like you really determined me mm -hmm. and encouraged me. And I, I went and served for all these people. And the end, we saved the food for us because that was our payoff. Yeah, that was your pay basically. And uh, give to our families extra portion and that was big deal that so you, time you were a leader you were a superhero basically so, yeah and you didn't want to wait you know you didn't no. want to wait you wanted to take action so and yeah. that, that's awesome because that's what a leader does a leader uh, uh an entrepreneur they don't sit around and wait for things to happen they go make it happen and maybe it was because of your upbringing because you basically at a very young age were forced to you had to figure it out you know so a lot of times people look at the bad things that happen and they look at it as like, woe is me. 
the bad things that happened to you, or not, I don't want to say the bad, the adversity that you went through actually made you stronger. It made you a leader. It made you independent. It made you be able to overcome everything. And in 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 essence, like you know, uh, we I've learned through my life that as soon as you set an intention and you start going after it, the universe will start to open up the doors for you to go after what you wanted. So because you were putting in the work, because you never sat back, because when you were in the concentration camp and you said, I'm not just going to sit here and wait, I'm going to go up to the, the cook. And he's like, wow, who's this person? Like the universe said, okay, you're the one that's going to get picked. You're the one that's going to go to the United States. You're the, because you put in the work and you, and you, and you took advantage of that opportunity. So that's amazing. Right. And uh, so I, I, I give you a lot of credit for that. And I hope you realize that. Like, mm. I hope you understand that you did something very powerful and very special and uh, you should be very uh, proud of yourself for doing that. You know and also, I, mean? I think it, the love that you have for your family is everything. That's that could, that's like your um, biggest motivation and inspiration. Thank you. Um, you know, I don't think about myself like I just think that's life mm -hmm. and you just have to pick up from the pieces. I told my kids how many times I drop down, fall down, I pick up myself and keep going. And, and that's on that the thing is I just realized I have to I never see on what's was past. Okay. I always look for the future. I always look what is on the front of me and where the doors opening and where I can go. Uh, mostly like introducing myself to the people and see if I can get some help or some things like you have suggestion and I will maybe go for it and or I have like mostly my kids say mom you have in your head and whatever you decide you, you go do it even you hit the wall you hit the wall but you go doing it so yeah. it's just basically my creation and my mind working what is next and what is the best and what to do so come um backing in the uh, war my father-in-law was in man's prison and i was the only woman save my father's ex-father-in-law or my father-in-law life uh uh he not been killed and he lived another 20 uh, seven years wow. his life because what happened he was in man's prison next to the convention camp for the woman mm -hmm. and he was age 60 something and I lied that he was 65 uh. and I went over there and say why you capture him he can go with us so the whoever was main operator of the convention camp he was a scary guy. But I run to him and say, well, I wanted my father, I told him that's my father, to go with me and because he needs, you know, not to be there because he's so old. And uh, I pick up my father, and he say, okay. Wow. And I pick up my father-in-law to take him to that house that we was next to convention. My father-in-law had, almost has heart attack and say, because the... The army was already having the guns to shoot us wow. because we are moving. We're supposed to not move. We have to be on command. And um, I bring him in that house and I told him the boss say, go ask boss. And he was saying, let them go. I approve it. 
So I bring my father-in-law and my ho- and the house with us. And then we went to the Priador. We stayed there, my father-in-law and my side and my mother-in-law and my son. We was there. And then like I heard for this, con- I was actually a leader. And I heard for this convoy, they're going, the buses, the transferring to the part of the Muslim country. And either you with torture, because one night, eight people, eight army guys, not eight people, eight army guys, uh, surrendered and know that we was from Kozaretz. And I wanna found if it's any younger, where's our, where's my husband? Did he has, did he's maybe shooting on them or what he's doing or he's in prison? They wanna find out our, uh, what we doing here, mm-hmm. why we escaped and yeah. You know, what is in our lives that want to control us. Let's go put up this way. So I told him, uh, so that night was my life and death. Either I'm going to be taken away and be tortured, mm-hmm. or I'm going to escape the next day and uh, float away. So that's the uh, give me some kind of sign. And I said, I'm not waiting the next night. Mm-hmm. So I went to the convoy and float to the uh, Muslim country, Muslim territory, um, in the middle of the Bosnia, wow. and uh, that's where I escaped the Priador and Kozarets and all those things. And when we came to the bus, the army say no mans, just only women and children. And I say no, I wanted my father to be with me, and I'm fighting with him on the front, and he's holding me like, like either shoot me or I'm. I, you cannot speak to them. You have to be the other. But I don't want to let my father go with the man's boss because he will get killed or who knows what they do. Mm-hmm. So he put my father-in-law and the boss with the woman. He finally give up. He cannot fight with me and say, get in. Wow. So we was get in and we was piled three, four bosses of the women's and children and couple of the bosses of the man's, which was captured in the in the camp. So then the, uh, we was coming to the mountains, and uh, I heard the old two bosses men behind us was killed. The whole bus. Yeah. Wow. So you definitely had so, a gut feeling, and you followed through that. So my father-in-law was only survived the male mm-hmm. in that convoy. And that's right. because of the you. The only one. Wow. And uh, we were on um, the everybody. So the um, they have a, the massacre graves, uh, which even today, some of the bodies, some of the boys, some of the men, some of the uh, relatives that was there, it's not be found. Maybe just pieces. Wow. So you are brave. You stood up. You basically risked your own life to save your father-in-law's exactly. life. Exactly. How how come you weren't afraid at the time? I think. I think on that time it was life or death. Okay. And uh, whatever, but uh, what else can do can shoot me. Yeah. But um, I think in my mind was, uh, they're not knowing why they're doing this. Yeah. We don't know what's happening. We don't know what their interest was. 
So we was mixed emotion. I think there are two uh, mixed emotion because the some things can slip, but some things it's very strict, and some some horrible things happen, like um, abuse, torture, um, killing, um, um, also sexual abuses. Yeah. So as a lot of bad things happen, but on that bad things, some people will can say, okay. Yeah. You, you understood that mm. maybe even some of them probably were confused or they, they felt like they I, didn't know what they were doing. Like they probably didn't want to do it, but they were, they had to. I think that's the most part because it's a lot of people that from that we know they have to put the uniform and to save their own lives because they are mixed marriage yeah and to save their own kids and then i want to do that um but they have to yeah. they are have an order to yeah. do it yeah in the movie obviously the movie is so the soldiers in love with the with the captive woman and in the there's a scene where she says i don't i don't uh, you think i want to be doing this like because his father was a general right so he's like do you think i like to kill people i went to school with i grew up with i you know so i but you know you kind of had to but it's just amazing and you know you're such a humble leader you're you're such a, a courageous person that you don't even give yourself the credit that because like when it comes to that type of situation it's either fight or flight but you chose to fight and because you chose to fight your father-in-law stayed alive for 25 more years you and your family at the time came to the United States. Your kids are now growing up and having their own kids. So there's there's generations that are going to continue and grow because you were courageous and you chose to fight. I think so. Um, backing in here, um, life it was not easy. Of course. Like coming to the United States, even the people who live here, they're not can know how to pick the life and you know accomplished um when i has my kids and i ask my oldest son what he want to do he was 14 years old 13 or 14 he wa he already know that he want to be on computer okay and he chose a good industry for the yeah. bay area <laughs> and then my youngest one was always in cars so i know that he will be with the cars yeah so then um, when my mother and father died, my mother died from cancer in 2007. Wow. My father died 2008. My mom has my sister year before I have my youngest son. Oh, wow. <laughs> so my mom was pregnant with my fourth child. So what's end up in this my whole life? I end up adopting my own sister and age, my, she was 11 when my mom passed away, 12 when my, my dad passed away. I When my mom died, my dad, I asked my dad to issue the visa because I was American citizen to bring my sister over here to leave her so I can either start adoption or something because I wanna bring that child to give her the future. So my father was, Visa, I apply and he got the visa issue and two days later he has a heart attack. Oh. 
So this is the child with no, no, I mean, I'm the orphan. My both in 14 months, I lost on 15 months. I lost my father and my mother, my mother from lung cancer, my father from heart attack. And there was the child to my brothers um, and my sister. And I told my brothers, can you just get, because the state want to take my sister. And I say, take the temporary custody and I will review the whole papers and we'll go for international adoption because she was minor. So I start doing that and I adopt my sister. Took me a couple of years to process and hold translation of the papers. So my sister came here. So I was having my two boys and my sister Mm -hmm. to raise together. So my sister is now, she went to nursing school. She working for Kaiser Hospital and she has her own child. Wow. So I have a nephew, two years old. That's amazing. And uh, she uh, lives her own life and have a good job in education and pursuing in the medical history. My oldest son, he works for Tesla. And my youngest is a manager, operation manager in one of the uh, auto shops or how I say dealer shops. Yeah. Dealerships. And doing what he loves, working with cars. Yes. Mm-hmm. Right. And that's what we're about. We're about people who are living their purpose and, and, and doing what they love. And, you know, I, I don't even know what to say because you're such an amazing human being. Like, I, I literally feel like the movie is you. Like, I mean, I didn't watch the whole movie, but I think, I, I don't know how it ends up with that movie, but the character, the premise, how it started, it's its you, it's your, it's your story, except you have a very happy ending. Like you're here, you're in the United States, you have a thriving business that, I wouldn't say you fell into it, I would say you attracted it because you were looking for more, you were looking for better. Ever since you were young, you were groomed to be a caretaker. Just like when you got thrown into the kitchen role. It was kind of like with your grandmother when she was training you when you were nine to take care of your brothers, the kitchen role and all that. That was your first job in the United States. But then you realized, I want better. I want more. So then the universe said, all right, I'm going to start putting all the people in your way. And you took advantage of it. And I love how you say, I always look forward. I never look back. You know what I mean? Never. And, 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 and now, now you have a very successful business. Um, are you still in Oakland? I live in Martinez. Martinez. Oh, Martinez is a very, very nice area. Yeah. So you must be doing pretty well. I mean, Martinez is not a cheap area to live in. So you're successful. I, I bought my house two years ago. Congratulations. Wow, congratulations. This is not the first in America. This is the third house. The third house. So third you have house. three homes now, right? No, I have my first home. I was starting doing my business and two years of my and my business I purchased my first home in Oakland. How old were you when you purchased your first home? Uh, I must have been twenty eight. Twenty seven, twenty eight. Wow. Uh, with two kids barely picking the pieces and yeah. working and i saved for my down payment i bought the house uh, with my husband that time uh like uh he was good father he was good dad and everything but he was cannot keep up the job 
Yeah. And also when I say go to school, learn English, he was like, oh, I don't need. He didn't want more. He didn't want to try. He just, he was there and he was leading me. Uh -huh. But did he wants to come on, go and do something? He was low key. Yeah. And uh, I bought that house and in two years living in that house, the neighbor changed. And it was around the Oakland Zoo, which was also Oakland. And it's part on the board of the East Oakland in North Oakland. So it was neighborhoods start changing. And one night it was bullets flying around my house. And uh, the police <laughs> knock on my door and say, um, are you okay? And I say, why? He say, but did you, I heard gunshots, but I don't know that was happening actually right under my front door almost. Mm. And the bullet was in my windows and my oh living my rooms. And he said, did you kids okay? And I run upstairs and my two children sleeping and everybody's okay. And I told my husband, this is not what I want to be here anymore because mm -hmm. it's not safe. Yeah. So I end up buying a second home and moved to Pinol and uh, renting that house yes. to somebody else. And then, you know, her market goes up and yeah. down. So That was I, the whole 2000s when the houses were just going up like crazy. Yeah, 19, uh, uh, was 2004 when I bought that. 2007, I ended up buying in Pinole three years later. And 2009, when the market hit, yeah. uh, I was renting it, but then I cannot keep up. So then I went, sold that first house end up keeping the one in Pinole. My kids get graduate education, graduate from high school in Pinole. And, and that time I adopt my sister, I was having big, bigger place. Whole thing puzzling. Yeah. I need bigger place for mm. adoption yeah. too. <laughs> and uh, when, uh, when that, uh, in 2011, uh, actually 10, our marriage start, you know, fading and falling down. And, Oh, my ex-husband was like, I was telling him, you know, it doesn't work. And 2012, I picked myself and left. Wow. Left him the house, left him everything, start from scratch. Wow. And that's, that, again, too, that takes a, a courage. You've always had this story of starting over and courage. For you, that was nothing. You're like, if I went through what I went through over there, pff, this is this like is nothing. nothing. Yeah. This is like, and you know, a lot of people, they don't want to go through hard times, but they don't realize that that's what makes you strong. Okay. Yeah. And um, so you picked up and then you bought a house in Martinez? No, I went and rent the uh, place because I, when I left, um, I just don't know where to go. I went to hotel. Okay. And I was in a hotel and then I looked for the place and my husband that time, he was saying that's his house because yeah. we was married and I say, you can have it. I'm just, I just want a freedom. Yeah. So I went and rented and I was renting it and my kids and my daughter-in-law and my son and my sister all move in with me in the <laughs> renting place. So, uh, so my my husband that time he cannot keep up because he you know with the mortgage and everything so he, that he, house went foreclosure yeah and uh and i i lost it 
and then uh, I was renting it for like maybe four, six years. And I told my kids, paying the rent for us, for the house, it's a lot. And I said, you know what? I'm going to hit the wall again and buy something. Mm. So I was looking and founding the house and I bought it. When I came home and I said, I made it, my kids almost say, mom, you are the stronger or not yeah. anybody else because there was, you know, making the things with the market and accomplishing everything. It's so hard for the people who who have something and yeah. I lost everything. Yeah. Uh, you have to understand when I left my husband, I lost. It was big loss. It was yeah. big. It was big flip. Yeah. You know, but what you didn't lose is you didn't lose your courage. No. You didn't lose your strength. You didn't lose your your look forward attitude. And they always say people that are successful, they're successful because of how they think, not what they have. That's why successful people will lose everything and then get it right back and maybe even be better. So, you know, your whole life has been basically a lesson of how to be tough, how to be a leader, how to you know how to have courage how to overcome so almost i mean i believe that nothing can stop you like you nothing can stop you literally because what else you know what else you know you've you're on the brink of basically losing your life and that couldn't even stop you so what else is going to stop you right i i don't know like i say i always look forward not on whatever the back so i don't know what this forward for me but I'm keep going and I told my kids the longer I'm perk I'm I will go and um, that's what I'm doing so uh, back on the um, after the war we rebuilt the house and the property where we grew up and uh, my when I divorced my ex-husband I told him you can have everything I told the court my ex-husband can have everything I don't want anything. I just want that piece of paper. So the day after I divorced him, I went and buy condo in my country. <laughs> nice. You're like, I'm looking forward, right? Yeah, yeah. And uh, and the house that was his family house, I cannot go back there. My uh, country house, my brothers live. So I don't want a part of anything. I just want my own. Mm-hmm. So I um, bought my condo. So I owned a condo in my country and on the house in here wow congratulations that's, that's a big deal yeah mm-hmm. so so you're a successful entrepreneur now um are you looking for clients do you are you always looking for more clients i never look for clients never, never. they just come to you they left and right i can work 24 7 if i could yeah but no people know my name and know my uh, ability what i can yeah. do and uh, how i'm doing and also recommendation and uh, it goes by the mouth by the word word of mouth but also i have um director social workers that know me and uh, going from alameda to part of the oakland maybe even further i don't know castro valley or every facility where the this director works and uh, met me they go changing you know the places but they keep <laughs> sending you people entering in the same people yeah. and and uh, so that's how i so you've uh, already built the reputation basically yes, a good one good one a good one and uh and 
and I mean, yeah, and you're successful. So you literally came here to give your children a better life. Exactly. You you stood in the face of death to save your family. In the end, it was probably to give your children a better life. And now you've actually done that. Your kids have a good life. They're in the United States of America. Regardless of what you believe right now or whether you like what's going on or not, this is still the freest country in the world. You still can do whatever you want to do. And you're doing it and you took advantage of it. And for that, I, I commend you. Like You're an amazing human being. I'm so glad that you're recommended to us. Anything else that you want to say to, to the people out there um, before we wrap it up? I just say, you know, the everything is possible. Mm-hmm. Uh, if somebody tell me that's possible, that I came in United States and be my own em- self-employee or own my own business, let's go call this, mm-hmm. because I know work for companies. I know I work from beginning. Yes, I did for like almost a year, but um, being accomplished, it's everything's possible because the world uh, you know the the way you think the way you want to go and when i came here i have one road i mean i have more but one road to accomplished to get someplace and then see where the goes and that's where i um did it and that's where i am but also a lot of people say oh i'm not good with that i'm not good with that uh sometimes you good with the uh like i don't know that i will be good with this kind of job but because i think i have this caring from beginning Mm. i end up loving my job Mm -hmm. and i end up love that i help people and the old people is the little things make them happy (laughs) but they are desperate for help yeah and when you give them that help one thing i say in my life every time i help somebody the you know of course you work for money of course you work you have to pay your own bills but every single time i heard god bless you that's my blessed that's what i need and that's what we all need that Mm -hmm. i say 10 times a day i help even it's not my client they need help and i go and help them and say they don't pay me because i volunteering but they say god bless you but that's a pay yes that's a pay that's the fulfillment you get that's the fulfillment yeah and And that's worth anything that's worth and and that's not worth the money and i think on that hearing that over all these years and since i was little girl god my grandma always will say oh, I'm not worried for you. You will have anything. You will don't even know what you have. In that time, I don't even know what that means, mm-hmm. but now I know. Wow. Yeah, you're definitely I'm, blessed. Yeah. I'm so sure. glad you said that because they say that your programming is from age zero to seven. That's where your subconscious is programmed. And almost every single successful person had an example of success or they had somebody that was constantly telling them they're going to be great no matter what you do. So, I mean... Wow, like your grandmother basically prepared you to become successful. Mm-hmm. She made you realize that anything is possible for you and, 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 your, and your future is going to be great. That's amazing. Not only my grandmother. My grandmother was, uh, I have to tell you, my, I, uh, when my mom has me and two brothers, they separate and build a house next to them. 
I was feeling for sorry for my grandma. I never leave her side. So basically, but my also my mother, when I was age 16, and my mother will tell me, oh, I know worry for you. And I'm like, mom, I'm your child. How come? She was always worried, you know, about the other two, not me. And I said, but I'm your child. How come you know worry? I, and she was like, you know what you're doing. Even your young age, you know what you're doing. And to I was my mother was dying and she was saying to me I only wish has I know I'm I'm dying but only one request before I die you have to promise me and I say mom you told me already you know worry about me now you want a request she said I want only one it's my wish and uh, it's only short time because she was really battle of the cancer for months and she say the sister and that you have, if you promise me that you're going to take her and inspire her and push her the way you know, I will be easy to go on heaven for me to leave this world, to check mm -hmm. out. And I have to promise her. Okay. And I accomplished that promise. Mm -hmm. I brought my sister, I give her life, and she's now also a successful woman. She has her own family and she work wow. and she's going to be in a year RN. Wow. So that's amazing. And she already have a step in a step in medical field because she works for four, three, four years for Kaiser. Wow. So, so you should be very proud of yourself. You've, you've done a lot. I mean, it's not over for you. You still got a long way to go. But what you've accomplished so far is amazing. You've done more than some people that were even born in this country will do. I you agree. know what I mean? Mm -hmm. And, uh, and uh, I'm so glad that we had you here. I know why you were recommended. And uh, you're exactly what this podcast is about. Like you're, you're pursuing your passion. You love to help people. You love to inspire. You love to save people's lives, literally. Literally and figuratively, you've been saving people's lives your whole entire life. And you've been taking picture of people your whole entire life. And you're now reaping the benefits, just seeing your kids become successful, seeing your sister become successful. And I can't wait to see more of what you're, what, what's going to happen and how many more people you're going to impact and how many more people you're going to touch. And I hope that millions of people see this podcast and they see how awesome you are and that they get inspired too, because that's, that's the goal of, of, of what we want to do here. Um, but thank you, um, Joe. Do you have any final oh, thoughts? I have, uh, six questions. Okay, so we always have the special you. little thing that Before we like we to, wrap to wrap it up. There's <laughs> sure. this called Joe's Six Questions. Yeah. Um, but again, thank you so much from the bottom of my heart. This was amazing. Thank you. Thank you um, for having me. Yeah, and um, and Joe's going to ask her six questions, and then we'll go ahead and wrap it up. And uh, and so go ahead. You yours. know, honestly, like as as I listen to you and your story, a lot more questions actually popped up. Um, you know, so one of the questions is, uh, you know, what advice would you give to someone who's basically struggling to discover their purpose in life? Like I say earlier, everything's possible. Just think what is what you're good and capable to doing, what is uh, coming to your mind and what you have strong skills. I told my kids, uh, it's up to you. I will support you, whatever you do. And that's, uh, I think, for the people, if they have a support, uh, it's easy. But if they don't have support, maybe look for support. Look for something that somebody will can 
help you or give you advice. Like from my own view, I was looking, I was desperate to look for help for that kind of, and also remember uh, in my country back, say the tree has a branches, grab whatever you can't. And maybe one of the branches will hold you, but maybe someone will break it and you fall on the ground, but you have to keep doing it to you not stay holding on one of them that will be you accomplished or there will be you success so success you have to correct correct don't give up yes yes um, what advice would you give to all the refugees all over the world during this time that i feel you know their pain mm -hmm. and uh, um, don't give up um, longer you have your head on the shoulders everything's miracle and possible or everything doors can op be open for you um, I always exp my expression is when I was doing the hold this war and convention camp and hold this torturing stuff I say longer I have my head on my shoulders I think that's what keep me going and keep and I have something to think what is the next what is the next mm -hmm. so for the refugee right now it's the just use your judgment use your guts use your strength how much you have in there because you have to I have I understand sometimes you give up and you don't have that kind of energy anymore because everything around you it's a dark Mm. But after dark comes light. Mm. After oh, dark powerful. comes light. Yeah. It's beautiful. Whew. Got the chills. Thank you. Um, you mentioned before when uh, when you came to San Francisco, you felt totally lost, right? So right. there's there's always immigrants coming in here. Like, what advice would you give them when they're lost? Just uh, like and myself, uh, I'm going from my point of view. Mm. I was lost because. Uh, coming to the bigger city, uh, uh, not lost uh, in my what I want to do and mm -hmm. how I want to start my life. I was lost just where to pick the pieces, how to go. I think it just to think on that moment what to start, where to go. Maybe go where it's feeling you the comfortable, that you feel in the comfortable mm -hmm. environment, mm -hmm. and then start thinking from there, which makes for my uh, experience it was the city i'm not city mm -hmm. uh, uh, i'm country i even think if i go to napa i will be maybe better yeah. success <laughs> right now <laughs> but how i know that time yeah. right so you just have to um, think what is the environment that you can pick to lift you and start doing it like i was thinking the smaller city the and um, different environment, it will be better for me. It's not the bigger city. Mm. So it's just, uh, you have to decide on that time where you want to be, what you want to do, how you want to do it, and what what you can't do. Um, so I just, from my point of view, it was like, uh, start from one day on the time one day at a time gotcha um 
I know that since you work so hard, I mean, there are a lot of, uh, you know, single mothers or mothers out there working so hard. What are some of the things that you do to basically have like some self-care practices like a day to night or, you know, basically recharge your batteries? <laughs> do you do any of that? <laughs> I don't think that I think that way mm-hmm. <laughs> because um, my kids say that I have more energy or 20 years old. <laughs> I don't know how. But it just, my mind keep going. Mm. It just, I have to do it. And uh, I put myself, it was moments uh, when I worked for 16, 18 hours a day. Mm-hmm. And my kids was little. And uh, I will come, or leave early in the morning, come late in the night. But soon they came, I will go to my kid's room and talk to them. And his dad will say, what are you talking to them for hour? And I say, but if one thing stay in their brain, mm. they will be good on this world. Mm-hmm. So I was spending the time like that with them because I would not have be time to be mom and stay with home mom. So I was spending the time talking to them and uh, tell them how the life is here mm-hmm. and how I work hard and this is what I have to do. And... Uh, also, tell them that if you work hard, you've accomplished something. So that's my was gold, and I did it. I still work hard. I still been gone, but my joy was when I come home. I have my home. I have my two kids, and now grandkids, and then extra uh, my two kids, then my three kids, mm-hmm. then my uh, now my two grandchildren. Even I don't have so much so much time mm-hmm. to spend with my kids when they grow up, to my um, grandkids right now, but I think they have the vibe of me, how I am, and and uh, when I'm going to garden, my yeah uh, my grandchildren came and shuffle with me, mm-hmm. so they're picking up like you know grandma doing this, we can doing this, or my kids when they was young uh, whatever I do they come and they want to learn so I think and also they are hard workers too like me um, I think they realize that the hard work it's paid off mm. yeah and I you know think. I want to say something because a lot of times parents think they have to spend all kinds of time with their kids but most of the time they waste time they watch TV they're not present with their kids you didn't spend a lot of time because you're busy but the time you spent with them was probably more quality than hours that other parents spend with their kids. And you were mentoring them. And not only that, it was the example. Right. Kids don't do what you say. They do what you do. And they all saw your example your whole life. And that's what they followed. I have to say uh, that I heard this over and over for my friends and the people that I met here. The people that know, never know me. Mm-hmm. And we met in here in Refugee. And, uh, and uh, uh, there's the uh, community down in San Jose of Bosnians. And they say, look at my kids and look at my whole life. They say, if I can give sample to my kids, like you, that you raise your kids, and working that hard, and uh, give them the life they have, and the respect they have for people, mm-hmm. and they are social, and... Uh, you have to 
understand that my kids doesn't have a family here growing up. So wherever I was going, I was carrying my kids with me. Yeah. I go, if I have a, my client and I have to drive him someplace, I put my kids in the car and drove. And uh, I remember one time I have an Alzheimer's man who was memory loss and he turned around and he asked me, where you pick up these kids? <laughs> and I said, they're mine. I've been driving with me. Mm. And uh, I give them also the uh, some kind of picture what I do and how I do. And also that was the time that we spent together yeah. too. Mm-hmm. And um, and that's, um, that's basically, I think that I did best I could. Like I say, I told my kids, mom has to go to work because when you ask for something, I will give it to you. That's why I'm working hard. I explained my kids also from beginning, when they, even they're little. I said, remember we came here, we don't have a, you don't have a chocolate, you don't have a shoes, you don't have nothing. Now mom has to go work hard, but you have to also work hard. You have to school, you have to go to school, be good study. And I say, whatever you ask me to do, I will buy for you because mm-hmm. I have money but also I want to accomplish from you. So it was always giving, taking. Give and take, yeah, mm. so they can earn it. And right? they earn it. Mm-hmm. And that's what my kids was growing up with. And there was good students. There was good kids. I never have problems. And like I said, they accomplished in their lives. And I think watching me and um, backing on my community, they always say, I raise my head off of my head and <laughs> come to you and say, good job. That's <laughs> good awesome. job. So you have the respect of your community as well. Yes, yes, That's yes. That's amazing. Because uh, like I say, I go to visit my friends. I will take my kids. Even to today, I have uh, my friends coming visit me. My both son, which is sitting with my friends and visit. Yeah. And they say, you cannot found 18, 16, 25, 32 visiting with mother and going with mother wherever mother goes. That's very rare. And yeah. mm-hmm. that's not. Mm-hmm. And my kids, uh, if they have us, uh, their friends, they ask me to join them. They say, oh, my mom's funny. Come on, bring my mom. <laughs> so that's how they are. The, we have a bond and uh, my family that we just like doesn't matter if we visit age 80 or 20 or 15 we just all then then they are not growing up like oh i don't want to hang with you because you're too old Mm -hmm. my kids hang with even my grandkids now my seven years old grandson uh he's sitting with adults (laughs) and picking up what we're talking and i said that's exactly the uh generation Big, uh, not changing because my kids were seven years old when they're visiting with all adults because I, I don't have a place to leave my kids. I have mm. to bring them wherever I go. So I go visit my friends, six adults, two kids. They're sitting with adults. And now my grandkids sitting with adults. It's an example. Like, I mean, you showed them the whatever it takes mentality. You taught them how to be socialized at a very young age because i mean they had to so they learned social skills at a very young age with adults and all these people so now they can probably talk to anybody right right that's awesome right it's it's uh when i take my grandson when he was little to my clients and 
uh, to visit with me. They say, bring your grandson. And he he say hi to everybody. He was so com- comfortable, like he knew them forever. And they say, we never see four or five years old age that he's talking like that. He nev- But that's because uh, we introduce him. And like I say, they hang with the adults mm-hmm. or, or older people and the young age. That's how my kids was. That's how my grandkids. And that's how I um, g- uh, give them open the world it's not that you have to hang out with your only friends and mm. think that's the only people yeah. you can be any generation and feel yourself and be social and i think learn more i think it's learning too mm-hmm. through the you know be younger to be with old people if you learn something that will be good for you yeah i have all kinds of friends adults uh, younger my age i think that's a good way to learn about the world as well yeah yeah um well speaking about kids uh you know if you were a child again like what do you think you, you would be doing what are some of the favorite things you would like to do if you were a kid again i I really don't know on that answer because I never thought about uh, what I can do. I maybe will do the same thing mm. because I I miss my childhood growing up and play with my uh, generation. Right. But then on, on the other thing is I grew up and be adult from being a kid and being adult and being responsible. Mm-hmm. And I think that that part I skipped. And I don't think I can say if I go back what I will be do because mm-hmm. I think that was wiped from me. Yeah. I I don't know. Maybe I will do same over. Um, mm-hmm. because that's I think the person you would I still was still be a provider yes. like at an early age yes. basically, yes. serving your family, other people. Yes. Because I don't know other uh, nothing other because mm-hmm. I was I'm I'm still my mother and father was I was their responsibility. Mm. I was their statue. My two brothers live back home, but they not do. They lean on me, hold my family. Mm. So I'm their statue. I'm their whatever decision, whatever I'm deciding because they always ask me advice. They always ask me what you think is what is good, what is bad. Mm. They not do anything without me, and uh, I tell them. I'm looking like continue mother because mm-hmm. I was, you know, raising them from the young and being and then uh, my kids and then I'm still with my brothers and my whole family just giving advice and I think main leader and even in my own family and my kids and my household, everything's like uh, my nickname is Julia Blondie. Julia, nobody called me mom in my house. Nobody called me uh, Nana. The kid, grandkids called me Nana. But my kids, barely one of the blue moon say mama, mom or mama. They say uh, Julia. And I have nicknames since I was, I don't know, maybe young age. That's calling Blondie and my country. And my ex-husband or my husband was always calling me Julia. And my kids pick up, and my brothers and my whole family, even my daughter-in-law, she called me same nickname. So every time something's going on, they all come, Julia, 
what next? Mm. And they all ask for advice. What does Joya mean? Blondie. 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 Oh, okay. Mm-hmm. So, but you're like the matriarch of the family. <laughs> I, I think I am. <laughs> That's awesome. I have uh, one last question. Okay. Um, so let's say, like, uh, at the end of your life, right? What do you think will be your like most biggest proudest moment that you've done in your life? There's couple of them but the biggest one is uh, coming here and take that big step mm. um, to just leave the everybody behind me uh, I have to understand I left everything and just my family and that was the big um, decision but like I say, either break it or make it. So I made it. That's Thank right. you. Yeah, you definitely made it. <laughs> well, you definitely made it. Uh, you definitely made this an amazing experience. Uh, I'm extremely grateful. I know we all are here to have yeah. you. Your story needs to be heard. Mm-hmm. And, I, and I know millions of people are going to hear this. They might make a movie about you. I, I think one Blondie. day. Blondie. You know? uh, yeah. The title Julia. would be... Uh, Julia. <laughs> yeah, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, so thank you so much thank for being you. here. Um, once again, thank you guys for tuning in. Uh, we'll leave everything in the descriptions below. Um, and that's what you're going to get here on the Bliss Seekers podcast. Amazing people. Amazing stories. And, uh, you know, as always, in the end, follow, follow your, your bliss. bliss. Thank you guys so much for tuning into the podcast. We hope you enjoyed it. Our goal, as always, is to become the number one podcast in the world. And uh, make sure to subscribe if you haven't done so already. Make sure you share this with three of your friends. And if you like our song, our intro song, please check out my good friend, uh, Maroni Silva's band, A Dead Desire, on YouTube. That song is called The Mantra. Thanks again for tuning in, and we'll catch you guys on the next one. And as always, follow your bliss.